brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Touchdown, Prince Covey! It's time to sit down and talk Utah football and much more with Utah wideout Britton Covey here on the Bill Riley Show. A conversation with Covey is presented by Summit Foot and Ankle with nine Utah locations to serve you. Now here's the voice of the Utes with a conversation with Covey here on Utah's number one sports talk, ESPN 700. Time to catch up with our buddy Britton Covey, brought to you by Summit Foot and Ankle here on the Bill Riley Show on ESPN 700. We get every week a little bit closer to the draft. Uh, the combine is not too far away. Britton told us, so he won't be going to that pro days. And then, of course, the draft coming up. Training continues for that next step in the, in the football life of Britton Covey. And he joins us right now post-workout today. Uh, did the trainer kick your tail today? Yes, today we did our 20-yard splits in the 40, um, which was pretty fun because it's actually people in the last 10 years have started to put less emphasis on the 40 and more on the 10 and 20-yard split times, which obviously is because, you know, when do you run 40 yards straight in a football game? But so that's what we worked on today, and it was it was great. <laughs> So when you're working on that, it's the short burst stuff, is that more important anymore for a guy like you than the 40 time? I mean, we, we hear about the 40 has been kind of the standard for years, but is is the other stuff, is what you're doing now a little bit more important? Are, are times changing on that? Yeah, I think they are. I think it's actually even more important for, you know, I'm training with Mika, right? And it's more important for a guy like Mika because, you know, there may be times when I do run 40 yards straight on a field or as a receiver, 30 yards, you know, if you're running a go go route, seam, deep post, whatever that is. But, you know, someone like Mika, the most he'll probably run is 10 yards when he's chasing someone down. <laughs> so for the bigger guys, those 10 and 20 yard splits are huge. You know, that's, that's the key. Um, for me, I think they do want to see the 10 and 20 yard splits, but also the full 40 time. Um, and every, according to my trainer, you know, different scouts put different emphasis on, on things. So he'd say, he said most of the teams put bigger emphasis on the 10 and 20 yard splits for the bigger guys. And then for the skill guys, you know, they put more emphasis on the 40 time, which is pretty cool. You know, I don't know if as many people know that, um, but they timed the, the first 10 and then the, the second 10 um, in the 40. And so that's what we did today. And you can kind of predict what the 40 time will be based off those two numbers. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. Are you where you want to be yet? Or is this just begun? So this was the first day that, cause you got to train your hamstrings, right? You're full of reaching out, things like that. So this was the first day we went full timing things. Um, but I, yeah, I'm where I want to be, which makes me excited and, and happy. Uh, I do, I am trying to put on a little bit of weight, but, it, but not too fast. Right. That, that Cajun shrimp ad that you had before this, <laughs> gosh, that made me want to go eat some, 
some Cajun shrimp. But uh, I'm trying to put on about a pound a week for the next, you know, few weeks to try and, you know, get used to running at that. And it's good because I'm never going to sacrifice speed for putting on weight. And so as we time things, you know, I'll put on a, a pound here and I'll basically do that until my times drop. And so I'll, I'll be at the maximum weight with the maximum speed. And I think that's, you know, that's what's nice about having seven weeks until pro day. I'm curious, where did you play at weight-wise this year, and where would you like to be by the time your pro day rolls around? What were your times this year? I know they don't time you a bunch. And where would you like to be time-wise? So let's start with the weight first, where you played at this year and where you'd like to get to. So this year I fluctuated a little bit, but I played at about 170. Um and I love that weight. 170 is kind of my preferred weight. I tried at 175 at one point. And I just, you know, didn't feel as quick. Uh, and I still feel like I keep my strength at 170. So 170 is what I played at. My freshman year, I played at like 160. And the year after my mission, I played at like 177 because I was kind of overweight, um, which for me is overweight for my body type, of course. Uh, as a, as a slot. So I, I like the 170. Um, and so that what I'm trying, what people want to see me as at about 174, 175. And I, I just, I think I can do that. I just, it's not the type of weight you want to put on in a week, right? You got to put it on gradually over time so that you know, it's good weight and it's muscle and, and things like that. And then time wise, um, I think what's expected of me by most people and scouts is in the four five range. Um, that's kind of what I've heard is like a low to mid four five is what's expected. Um, but it, I feel great about that. Cause you know, I, I know I can run that and I'm expecting myself to be in the four fours. Um, I've, I mean, I've been in the four fours every time that I've timed a 40, it's just been a minute since I've timed a 40. So as long as I can break four five, I feel like that, you know, a positive for me. Uh, before I forget, our keyword for this hour to win a thousand dollars cash uh, is penalty. Ooh. Penalty. You, you you're eligible. You're no, not. Te- you're not. Te- you're not technically an an employee, a full time employee. You're a contracted employee. So you are. So if you text penalty right now, Britt, to three three nine eight six, we're giving away a thousand dollars cash at the end of the day today and at the end of the day tomorrow. So penalty is the word uh, to text. It's not a word that you want to hear if you're a punt returner because usually it means somebody has pushed somebody in the back or something like that. But text the keyword penalty right now to 33986, and you'll be entered to win $1,000 cash. You didn't have, by the way, you didn't have many penalties on returns this year. Did you notice that? No, we didn't. I think we had one, and – by the way, I just did. I texted penalty, and then I also texted unsportsmanlike conduct because that was the penalty I got this year, and and uh, they said I'm out of the running for the thousand dollars now. So, um, but that wasn't on a punt did, though. That was that was after a pass catch. I think you did the yeah, flex. That was after a pass catch. We had one. No, we had two special teams um, on on returns on kickoff return and punt return penalties this year. Neither of them negated a big return, which is awesome i mean we we went over that and harped on that every day in practice and we basically because 
punt return is the longest play in football, right? The average football play lasts, what is it, five seconds or four seconds or something like that. Punt return lasts on average like eight seconds. And so that's the longest play, and you're literally switching the way the ball is going. And so there are opportunities for blindside blocks and defenseless players holding calls. So we put a big emphasis on that this year because there's nothing more devastating than having a 30-yard return and then, you know, looking at Coach Witt screaming at a player 30 yards in the backfield <laughs> because, you you know, it gets negated. Um, I'm just curious. Was the Washington State game in your career the one that mm. probably sticks with you the most on, on a return? Yeah, probably. I mean, that game, obviously, because it was a phantom block in the back. Correct. Right? They never actually touched him, uh, and they and I know they sent the film in, but it looks like he did. And it's funny because <laughs> we teach a technique. It's called the box-out technique. And we used to teach this hands-up technique, and, that, and that's what Philip Afia did. But the problem is it's, it makes you look guilty to the ref. So if you, if you have an opportunity to take a, a blindside block, you don't want to just let him go free, but you can't block him, right? Because it, it's risky for a penalty. So, so we used to teach the hands-up technique where you kind of get in his way, but your hands are up in the air so the ref knows you're not blocking him. But the problem is Philip Afia, he put his hands by his shoulders and, and his head, and it's the total, like, I'm guilty, right? <laughs> like, hands-up kind of thing and so it totally so now we teach the box out technique where your arms are or more horizontal like you're boxing someone out in basketball and as long as you're hitting them with your back or the or your side with your hands boxing out the rest won't call it and so go back and watch my punt return against Oregon I think it's Makai Bernard he has an opportunity for a, a blindside block that, that would have been called a block in the back or a defensive player and he does that box out technique. He puts his hands to the side. Uh, for those listening, go back and watch it, and you'll see. I think multiple guys kind of do it, where they put their hands to the side and box out. I've watched that punt return probably twenty five times, and I have seen that. Now I couldn't re- yeah. I couldn't remember if that was Mackay. Who else wore number two? It's escaping me right now. There were two number twos. It was Mackay and somebody else wore number two this year. And I couldn't remember on that special teams if it was Makai or not, but it was him. And, yeah, you can see that. He's kind of running parallel, and he just kind of turns his back and throws his body in the way but doesn't extend his arms. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I think we had a few times where where that came into play this year, especially because, you know, when you cross field, it leaves those opportunities for people. And, yeah, anyway, that's a – that's an underrated part of this year was the lack of special teams penalties. So are you, you know, you, you've been doing this about a month now, Cuff. You've been up there training, you know, in yeah. Park City mostly, a little bit in California as well. I mean, are you on schedule? Are you getting done what you need to get done? Are you ahead of schedule? I mean, obviously yeah. your trainer's the guy that has all this down and where he wants you to be, but what, where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm on schedule. I, I think that – it's, it's easy to want to do more all the time. Like, it, that's what's interesting about this training, right? You, you go in and you, and you do your lift, but then you're not, like, dead tired. And you feel like, oh, gosh, I didn't work out hard today. I need to 
do more, but you got to realize it's a progression. And so you can't force yourself to do more, which is kind of counter to what my mind tells me. Um, so that's been kind of hard for me, but it's, you know, I've trusted my trainer and the guys I'm training with. And I, you know, I feel like I'm where I'm at. One thing that I felt feel like, and I think I've talked with you about this before, but I just feel like sports can all be simplified for the player on an individual level. I think they're very complicated, obviously, and there are times when they're complicated, but you can simplify them. And I feel the same way about these drills that I'm training for. Um, I learned this best when I was playing golf. You remember when I, when seventh, eighth grade, when golf was my main sport, right? I oh, wasn't yeah. playing football. And I went out and my golf instructor had so many things to like, oh, turn your wrist. Now, now your hips, now you get your hips through. Now your left leg needs, you know, and it, you start to just overanalyze things and, and you're so mechanical. And then I would find the one or two things to do on my swing that fixed four other things, right? And, and now whenever I get up to swing, I think of two things and those two things fix other things. And that's kind of what I did in football throughout my whole career. That's what I did in a lot of things. And that's what I'm doing with these drills right now. That's what I'm figuring out, you know, with my 40 times start. Okay. I know there's lots of different techniques and we're learning the best running technique and how to, you know, properly extend your leg and, and you, things like that. But it's so complicated. It's just too much. So I'm finding those two things for me that I can think about that fix everything else. Right. Or in the L drill or things like that. And I would do that as a receiver. Um, as a receiver, you can't do it as much because you're focused on coverage, but you know, in training for as a receiver and running routes, you can do it. And I think that, you know, whenever I train someone in things, whether it's, you know, I've trained kids in basketball before in my life. Um, I've trained kids in football, obviously. I always start with this principle with them is, okay, let's find a couple things that you can focus on so that you don't overcomplicate things. And then we'll take, you know, step by step. Um, but that's kind of what I'm doing right now is I'm finding those couple things. Yeah, it becomes overwhelming. It, 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 it becomes overwhelming if you've got a laundry list of things and you try and deal with all of them. I'm curious, when you do this, do you work small to big or big to small? So uh, you, you compartmentalize it into drills. So the, the whole point of drills, if you think about it, like the whole point of drills is that you do it so much to the point where it's second nature and you don't think about it, right? Like you do all these little drills in football. But when you get onto the field, all you want to think about is more the scheme of things. It's like when I get out onto the field, I don't want to have to think about my brake mechanics on my route or, you know, where, how my stance is and things like that. So you do all these drills over and over and over again so that it's second nature and you don't think about that so you can focus on, okay, what coverage are they in? Which way is this guy trying to force me? And all of those mechanics you've worked on are second nature and, and you just do them naturally. Right. So I think it's all about just picking and choosing your drill I, more than small to big. It's you pick and choose your drills to work on over and over and say, okay, I need these to become second nature because when I get to the actual thing, I need to be able to focus on this and not that. Right. So, for, for example, like punt return, my 
my two things, I went through the in-depth explanation before the season with you, but in terms of just catching the ball, all I have to think about is right arm, right elbow touching my ribs because I catch it in the crease, what it's called. And so I, some people think both arms touching their ribs, right? But I think right arm touching my ribs and that fixes my eyes. It fixes my hand placement, but I'm not thinking about that. I just think about that one thing that kind of helps. Um, the rest. Britton Covey's our guest here on the Bill Riley Show today, presented by our friends at Summit Foot and Ankle. Are you getting much feedback yet? Is your agent or anybody reaching out, or is that, again, still to come? Uh, that's, again, still to come. I have, so I, I told you, I think, last week, I've been reaching out and using kind of my connections. You know, I just talked with Javelin Gidry and stuff. And yeah. Going to get work with him. Um because I feel like the best thing for me is going to be working with guys who have been in the league and asking them about things. And every one of my, you know, former teammates that I'll reach out to, they say, Hey, my, uh, our GM or our coach or something asked me about you the other day. And so that makes me feel good. You know, that I'm on people's radar and, um, was just talking to Mitch Wisnowski this morning. Cause I want to go catch punts and I love Mitch. What, what a good <laughs> dude. Right. <laughs> And, and you want to get on Mitch's nerves, you just say that you can beat him in FIFA, the video game, because he's like one of the top 10 players in the country. It's insane. What? So if you ever have him on, please say that Britton Covey said he beat, that he beat him in FIFA <laughs> and just see his reaction. So he, he's legit. He's legitimately like a top 10 FIFA player. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, at least when he was here, he was legitimately nationally ranked. Um, as a FIFA player, it's pretty impressive. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. And he's a pretty good punter too. Yeah, he's a an unbelievable punter, right? Uh, you see that punt down to the to the three yard line or whatever it was. Yeah. But uh, so working with him, right? Uh, today I was with Harvey Longy, um, and we were just going over um, punt return schemes that they have in the NFL and things like that and obviously harvey plays for the patriots and they have that you know gunner olswelski or i'm not sure how you say his name but he's got a similar body type to me and he's a great putt returner so just soaking up all the information that i can so what kind of feedback are you still are these former teammates and friends aside from saying yeah my gm or my coach or somebody talked to you what, what, what are you doing? What, what, I mean, how are you picking their brain, Britt? I mean, you're, you're a yeah. thinker, and I mean, I'm sure you, you're, you're peppering them with a million questions. What, what, you know, what kind of feedback are they giving you? What kind of questions are you asking them? Right. Well, so you can't be everywhere, right? If, if it were up to me, I would be in Baltimore tomorrow throwing with Tyler, and then the next day I would be in, you know, in California working with Terrell and the next day I'd be in Chicago working with Jalen, but, but you can't do that. So what I'm trying to do is pick their brain on things that I can work on here and that I can specifically see and film stuff that you wouldn't naturally think of. So for example, a stab technique, right? A corner gets up and they'd like to do this, especially with smaller receivers when they think, you know, if I get a hand on them, they're, they're toast, right? I get, if I can get a hand on them, they're finished. And so it's called a stab technique. And so I, you know, I asked Jab Gidry, okay, when you see a receiver like me and you want to do a stab technique, 
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What are you thinking? What shoulder are you trying to stab? Which arm are you using to stab? And what are you doing with your feet when you stab? Things that I, you know, I'm ne- I've never been taught as a DB, but knowing all of those things helps me as a receiver understand, okay, this is where he doesn't want to get beat, right? If his feet are like this, he's nervous. He's protecting his inside. And so once I learn those things from Jav, I can go in, on film and say, oh, I see what he means. Okay, now I can see, oh, look, look how he does it. This is what he does. And just kind of student of the game type things, pointing out little techniques for me. Um, and then I think as time goes on, I'll kind of dive more into the grand scheme of things, right? The playbooks and right. things like that. Right now, I'm just more on the personal individual level. Um, but it's great. You know, one thing that I feel confident about is uh, my understanding of the game on a great broader level. And I think a big credit to that is that I played quarterback in high school, but also I've played for three different offensive coordinators, right? Three different styles. Coach Ludwig is a genius. Um, he, the way he sees the game is just, it's so, it's so cool. And I got to spend that year in the box when I tore my ACL, right? I got to be in the box with him, um, understanding how to view the game like that. And so that's really helped me in, in seeing it. I'm curious, what did Mitch tell you? Because I'm sure you're picking his brain about, you know, you're you're trying to make a team as a return guy plus a special teams guy. But what kind of what kind of feedback did Mitch give you, or has he been able to give you on on the return game and in dealing with NFL punters? Yeah, well, he didn't give me too much feedback other than he's really nice. He says, you know, that I can do it. He's like, Cub, you know, I punted to you, and I know you can do it, which is really comforting to me and he you know he just says that it's not you know you go catch from any nfl punter that you can and it's not much different so i'm gonna try and you know we'll see if tom hackett can bring out the old leg and give me some punts (laughs) but i gotta find some nfl punters and catch punts because it's not much different you know in fact you have more space in the nfl sometimes less big returns but more you know, more 10 yard returns, 15 yard returns. Um, they're so, the pursuit there is so fast that very rarely do you see punt returns for touchdowns as compared to college, right? Um, like, for example, my punt return against Oregon, no way that is a touchdown in the NFL just because you've got guys flying on an angle to catch up to you. Um, but you get more space in the NFL for the first 10, 15 yards. And so that's kind of, you know, I don't know if it's a change in focus or anything, but I think it is a change of, you know, style of return. You're trying to get upfield, you know, rather than cut back across the field and things like that. Like my one against USC, that that would never work in the NFL. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was that adjustment going from high school to college, right? Yeah. My high school, I could cut back across the field four times if I wanted. But in college, you've got a 300-pound D lineman chasing you right and then 
in the NFL, it's just another level. So you, you adjust your game pretty naturally. Sometimes there's a little wake-up call the first couple practices or whatever it is. Um, I remember the first time I realized you can't just cut back like you can in high school, <laughs> you know, and, and learning how to get upfield. But I feel confident, and Mitch, you know, I'm sure we'll talk more. He's giving his leg a break right now. So I might go train with uh, the BYU punter, Rico, because he's got some hang time on his ball. It's, it's, an, it's pretty impressive. Hey, he's got a big leg for sure. We're talking to Britton Covey here on the Bill Riley Show. It's our weekly Covey conversation. We're kind of getting the, the skinny on what he's doing training-wise. I, I want to I pick your brain on a couple of things that have, have happened. This week was – National Signing Day, not as big in, in February as it used to be when you signed because of the early period, but what we're seeing a lot of today, Britt, is is the transfer portal. That's that's big for sure. Um, Utah's added a couple of players. They'll probably add a few more as we go. Nobody in the Pac-12's added more than USC. Lincoln Riley's trying to basically remake his football team through the transfer portal. I think they've added like 15 transfers already. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious – in your experience, how how can can that be successful? Can you remake your team in the transfer? When Utah's done it, just say last year, for example, they added five or six key guys and they basically supplemented what they do. What, what are your thoughts yeah. on basically trying to rework your roster through the portal? Mm. Ooh, I, I mean, I don't know if it's been done and it's, you're going to need guys that here, – here's what I think about it. It's, it's going to be great when it's all sunshine and roses. When they lose their first game and maybe they get down in their second game or something like that, that's what I'm curious to see. Because, you know, that's why Cam Rising was the guy this year was because, you know, he'd been part of the pro- – he's a transfer, but he'd been part of the program for multiple years. And he had always kind of had that leader mentality. And so when the when it got tough, um, you know, rather than turning on each other as a team, we kind of bonded together. And and I think that, you know, with a few transfers, you can do that. With a whole team of transfers, I think that's where it might get tough. So, you know, they, they've got some quality players. So who knows? They might come out and just dominate. But what I'm interested in is, you know, what if they lose a game in their first three games and then they're down by 14 points in another game? I just don't know if that camaraderie is there that there is at at a University of Utah. Um, You know, we bonded together through stuff this year and football became secondary. But because of that, we got we were a better team. And so, you know, I at, at one in one sense, talent does trump a lot of other things. And I think that USC is going to be really good. I just am curious to see how they respond, you know, when, you know, because most guys are transferring over there, not because it's USC, you know, and, and what a great school as much as it is. Oh, look at this opportunity. I'm going to be on a big stage playing in this offense. I'm going to get mine, you know. And so I'm interested to see when, when they lose a game, what happens. I, I am too. I just, I, I think the transfer portal is a good thing. And, and, again, I know USC is a bit of a mess. I mean, you're not doing that if your program's in great shape. They were 4-8 and eight last year. They changed coaches. I just, you know, I, I've seen schools do it very well, like Utah and other places, in supplementing it. I've just not seen a school go, a school, especially a school like USC, go so hard at it 
You know, and these right. these guys are transferring because they want to play, and it's been a lot of skill guys, wide receivers, yeah. running backs, well, quarterback, things like that. And and you know this, there there's only one football, and so it's yeah. it, it's hard to keep and placate everybody when there's only one football, and you're adding most of your transfers or skill position guys. Yeah, well, and games really are as you know. Don't tell any other receivers I said this, but games are won at the line of scrimmage. Like, as good as skill positions as you have, if you cannot protect your quarterback, your playbook diminishes by 10 times. And so games are won in the trenches, and I'm interested to see, you know, what they pull from there. The one, the one reason why I do believe they are going to be good and turn it around quickly is because um, Coach Riley, he is a master at getting his guys – at kind of building offense around his guys and where his strengths are. You know, I know that everyone kind of sees like the offense and thinks that it's all about like, Oh, what a brilliant play design. And it is, but more than anything is he knows how to get his guys in positions where they're good. And, you know, I watched a lot of Oklahoma when, cause I, you know, I love their schemes and things like that, but I just realized like, more than the consistency in the offense, it, their identity is just getting their best players where they're good. And so I think he'll be good at that. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be as easy as they're probably projecting. I mean, it, and for that same reason that we talked about when, when things get tough. But he's going to get their guys in space and, and in good spots. I, I think they – you know, I think the top two teams in the South next year are Utah and USC for sure. Well, to your point, though, and I've made this point for a long time with USC, one, it was the culture. It's never been about getting guys and athletes. They've always done that. But to the point mm-hmm. you made a minute ago is the point that I made you know, earlier this week and last week, too, where USC has really been deficient in recent years has been the trenches, offensive totally. and defensive lines. And to me, that's where they're going to have to get better, and they haven't they haven't done that necessarily in the portal. They've added a lot more skill guys and edge guys, and that's great. And I, I don't disagree with you. I'm not, you know, I've said this over yeah. and over again. I, I, this is not a shot at Lincoln Riley. He's in his first no. year. He's a terrific coach. He was successful at Oklahoma. I, I think he'll be successful there. But I, I, I've been very quick to tell people, you know, that are screaming, USC's back. They're the favorite in the South. Let, let's wait and see. Let's see what they look like on the line of scrimmage because they've never lacked for pass catchers or guys to run the ball or even guys to throw the ball. People could talk about, well, they've got Caleb Williams, and he's great. But, but you know, Keaton Slovis was great for a year. Jackson Dart was supposed to be great. before. They, I mean, they've had quarterbacks. So, to me, I want to see how they are in the trenches because you're right. At some point in time, you've got to play physical. You've got to be able to protect the quarterback and run the ball, and you've got to be able to get after him too, and that's kind of where USC struggled. Yeah, well, and what what happens when you get up by seven points in the fourth quarter and you want to run a four-minute offense, but you, you can't, you know, and you're not going to want to throw the ball downfield, you know. People are keying on screen passes, and you can't run the football. You know, you give the other team multiple opportunities, and so – um, you know, I, I'm also interested to see what kind of carryover there is because, you know, everybody talks about like Oklahoma, unbelievable offense, their defense always struggles. I, 
I don't know. I've never really understood how much of that has to do with just that conference and the style they play. You know, they play a three down and things like that, or if it had to do with the mentality with so offense centered. I don't know. I'm interested to see if that has anything to do with the coach or the recruits. Um, it will be interesting to see there. Wanted to ask you how how big a deal this is for both the team and the program, but I'm I'm sure you saw the deal with the new indoor facility that's going to be built here soon. Is that a big deal for the program? Yeah, I was pretty shocked by that. I had no idea that that was even you know being considered. Um, so I think we were all shocked by that. It's pretty sweet. I. I uh, I mean I don't I'm I'm super grateful for it. I just didn't even know it was in the plans. And part of me always just kind of like feels bad for for people like the baseball team, you know. But but I'm grateful because you know football really does, you know, as as much as other sports are awesome. It's just football does bring in the biggest crowd, and so I think that that's where the money is going to go. Um, and man, that facility if the plans are accurate to scale of what it's going to be like, that's going to be probably the most impressive that I've seen. So, and, and you know, I, I think people say, well, why, why do you need a new one? And, and the other one's fine. It's, it's 20 years old, but mm-hmm. you know, from a special team standpoint, that facility isn't necessarily what you need, especially in the punt right. and kick game. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not tall enough. Um, we never do kickoffs or, or punt or anything like that, or even field goals in that facility. You know, it's not a full hundred yards. Um, I think they're planning on having their other facility be a, be a little bit wider. You know, when, when things get cold, it's tough because things get slippery outside, but that facility on the indoor is not big enough to host both offense and defense. So, um, you know, I, I can see that I can see there is a need for it for sure, um, especially with special teams like you said. I'm just excited to see you know the, how epic it is. It, it looks pretty <laughs> sweet. I mean, it was a whole hundred. It was a full hundred yards. Yeah. I'm also interested to see with what turf they do because I think it would be wise. Right now, it's, it's the worst because the turf in the indoor is so much different than the turf at Rice Eccles. They're two completely different types of turfs. At least they feel different. And I think it would be wise to put the exact Rice-Eccles turf in this new facility so that you can practice on that and get used to it. Is is the practice facility – I know locker rooms and things like that are important to recruits. Would a facility like that be important to a recruit as well? Yeah. I, I definitely think that's a big part of recruiting. I never – I don't think it ever makes or breaks anything, uh, you know, ever – that's a I think that's the bigger thing is it never makes or breaks what what makes or break is always the coach do they believe in me and do they do I see myself playing like pretty early that really is what people kind of bank on but something like this might be the tipping point right um but I don't think it has too much bearing on recruiting uh but I think it can be a tipping point for someone who's close um, how excited are you for a couple of teammates to play in the Super Bowl? Your guy Terrell Burgess and Matt Gay are, oh, yeah. are representing the Rams. Obviously, you know Weddle too, but you know you played with Terrell and you played with Matt. Oh, I am ecstatic for them, you know, and and uh, it's been so cool to watch. And 
just to see Eric out there, my wife and I were watching and just laughing because he's just the biggest stud out there. And, and to hear him mic'd up and just the leadership, I think he should do this for the next three years. He should retire and then just wait for the playoffs, wait for a call from the one or two seed and, and go because he'll bring in the leadership. He'll make a little bit of money and he can still play, you know? And so it's, it's been really cool to watch and obviously what a better guy for this to happen to than Terrell as well. And Matt, um, seeing Matt hit these game winners. I'm super proud of him. It's, you know, we're going to be wearing Rams stuff and just watching their whole team. I mean, Cooper cup, just unreal. You know, that Cooper cup has the same body type as Brant Keithy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I, like, again, people think people, of Cooper Cup because he's the white wide receiver, is the possession guy, and think he's like six two and a half, almost six three. Yeah, and, and, and is a guy that is, is a guy that does it. What some people say, he might be the best route runner in 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 the National Football League. Do you see that? He, um, here's what I think. I don't think he's the best route runner because I think I think he's the best route runner from the slot. Um, being a route runner on the outside is a lot different, and sometimes I think it's more difficult. I think the best receiver in the league and the best route runner is Devontae Adams. To me, he's the best by far. Um, but Cooper Cup, it for some reason, people still, they man him up in a way that just doesn't respect his speed, and he just burns them every time. And, it, and it's he's so crafty with what he does. And uh, I love watching Cooper Cup. And you know what I love watching, too, is I love watching Sean McVay call plays for Cooper Cup. What did he have? Six third-down conversions last game. And it got to the point where you know who the ball is going to, but they run these option routes. Every single one of these plays that he catches it on on these third downs, they're option routes. Even that touchdown, that second touchdown he had, that was based off of a play that they ran five times in the last two games where it's, he goes out to that flap and he runs in or out. And so the guy's flat footed and he goes out then, and the guy, so he breaks on it like as an out route, but then he runs right past him and you know where the ball is going on third down, but it doesn't matter because you just, you know, third down is a player's down. You, you don't worry about scheme and you just say, okay, who do I trust? What, what's the best play to get this player that I trust in the position? Um, but, yeah, people don't know how strong he is. He's the best blocking receiver that I know. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. There's no doubt about it. Coached, by the way, by your guy, Troy Taylor. I know. Coached by Troy. Yeah. Oh, up at and Eastern. his wife worked to put him through school or whatever that was, that article <laughs> that came out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, I know. We're going we're gonna to let you go because I know you've got a busy day ahead of you here. Um, thanks for jumping on. Uh, I want yeah. the times next week. I, I want to know what your splits are next week. Okay. Okay. For sure. And I also want to, um, I want to break down on the Rams and Bengals too. Love it. Let's break down the Rams and Bengals. Hopefully the jazz turn things around. Well, they got to win last uh, night. They got to win. They're on a five. Win the, last night. You got to, you got to win one before you can win two. And they're, they got five yep. more in a row at home. So we, we can get into that a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. I we play the Warriors next week. This this should be a good week. Play the Nets tonight, I think. So. Friday. Yeah. Friday, tomorrow. All right, Cub. All right. I might go get some Cajun shrimp. Go get some Cajun <laughs> shrimp. Mention my name. They'll give you a little discount. Um, but uh we'll we'll, we'll talk to you next week. 
Okay, sounds good, Bill. Thanks, Britton. Britton Covey with us here, presented by Summit Foot and Ankle, here on ESPN 700. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 